this is Haley Beebe, the Carveline Color Admin. Welcome to the Carveline Tech Service Podcast, the go-to industrial coatings podcast. Here are your hosts, Jack Walker and Paula Janus. I mean, what good is a roaring audience button if you don't use it? <laughs> I got to say, I love the new features. I love yeah. being able to hear all that feedback. You guys got to calm down. I know Paul and I are a big deal. It's okay. This is what happens when the Carboline Tech Service podcast gets quarantined. That's right. We go a little stir crazy. Things become funny that aren't. We, we, we don't have any executives to shoot out of cannons. No, no. They're all isolating. I mean, you know, so there's, we can get really annoying with this real quick. You know, I'm Jack. That's Paul of the uh, Jameis variety, sometimes Paula. We're, yeah, at our houses doing this again, bringing you fresh life contact. We started uh, Corrosion School online this week, which uh, was a big hit. Uh, got got 500 uh, people in there. It sure was. I was talking with uh, some of the people that were doing the question moderating uh, this morning, and they said the questions have just been great. It's been real opening for people to be able to send an email in during the session and have questions answered right away so that we've gotten great feedback with it. Not to downplay any of the other people, they, we are doing about two straight weeks <laughs> of uh, the online corrosion school, but I will be giving a talk on concrete on April 6th at 3 p.m. And you definitely want to sign up for that if you want to learn next to nothing about concrete. I mean, no, wait. I don't know. Where's the rim shot? Come on. Oh, wait. Yeah. If you want to learn nothing next to nothing about concrete. All right. There you go. It's going to take a while till we remember that these functions are there. Yeah, it's probably okay that we don't. Uh, Paul, when are you giving your talk? I am second to the last. I think that's uh, like April 17th-ish. We present these at 3 p.m. Central Time. Yep. Monday through Friday. Yep. You can find out all the information, all the information on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, um, all of the social medias, hit us up, Carboline, and uh, we'll get you going. I kind of wanted to take some time. We we have a thing that's an overarching theme throughout the show. You know, Paul has his little police theme song of every little thing. And uh, we talked about suffixes mattering and, and things like that. So I thought it'd be good to strip way back down to basics and talk about the essential elements that make up a coding recommendation. There are, you know, a lot of times as an ex tech service person, I would have uh, somebody call in and they get a little frustrated with the amount of questions that I would be asking in return. A lot of times they felt like, uh, shouldn't they be asking all the questions? And you know, Jack, I, I do the same thing. Usually what I end up telling somebody is just be patient with me. I am trying to take this down from hundreds of options or maybe even thousands of options down to the couple that are going to best suit what you're trying to do. I'm not going to get through that in one or two questions. So yeah, although the customer usually thinks they're going to ask the questions when they call in, I probably have more ready to go than they did when they called. Yeah. I mean, they have a situation where at Carboline, especially we have lots of options. We have a very diverse product line and in some ways, a lot of the coatings might be identical, but there might be one feature that would make a certain CarboGuard more appealing to a project than a different one. And that's why all of these things 
matter. That's why Paul sings the police ETC. <laughs> oh, wait, that's why Paul sings the police. All right. Anyway, I'm here all week. I kind of broke it down into four, four essential elements for a coding recommendation. Now that doesn't mean four questions because each one of these categories have sub questions of their own. But the first one would be, and probably the most important is, and it seems very simple. And this is usually the one that people have the answer to. What does the coding actually do? What are you trying to protect? Make look better. ETC. That's right. Because a lot of times that solution is going to vary based on the type of structure it is that you're doing. Because if we look at something and say a bridge or a stadium, there's a lot of similarities between those two. There's both concrete. They both have to be aesthetically pleasing. They're both made out of steel in a lot of cases. So there's a lot of overlap. They're usually going to be multi-coat systems. But the products for a bridge frequently had a different set of protocols that they had to go through for overall approval. That may narrow my range of options right away by knowing, is this a bridge or a stadium? Well, sure, because like with bridges, you have to start to worry about slip coefficients, which uh, we actually just got a request and that will be an upcoming episode. But basically, depending on how slippery your coating is, they can decide how many bolts go into a connection when they're building a bridge. That's right, Jack. It becomes really important, those, those minutia details, to help pick it. Now... Usually, we've already got an idea. Once, once those questions, the first one or two questions, we've started eliminating typically dozens or hundreds of products mm-hmm. with those answers. So we can get through it pretty quickly, but that doesn't mean that there's not more follow-up questions. Well, sure. I mean, there are so many different things that we coat in this world and so many different ways to go about it. So aligning is going to be drastically different. You know, we talked about what it takes to make a tank lining uh, recommendation back off in uh, early episodes we're talking about in the teens, the tank lining series, but all those things are valid. And that's why we go down that line. What are you trying to do with this coating? The next is what environment is this coating going to exist in? So, okay, so now you've established your paint in a bridge, right? Let's just use the bridge. Where is that bridge? That's right. Because one of the things that we've seen and and history has shown us, this has become more and more important. Is this an area that's going to have de-icing solutions put on it, whether it's old-fashioned rock salt or any of the new brines or the chemical ingredients? All of those are going to react differently with the steel and the concrete members that are involved in, you know, sticking with our bridge with that environment. So, you know, kind of the, are we in a colder climate where you're going to have winter times with snow or are we only in a warmer climate? And then if we look at warmer climates, are we in something that's going to be coastal? Is this over a body of water? Is it fresh water, salt water? You know, so all of those are going to come into helping us to determine, you know, which types of coatings to use. And even down that path further, is the bridge already there or is this a new one? Or is the bridge in the desert? Because then you got to concern yourself uh, with ultra UV radiation, you know, and, and, and things are going to break down. You know, one thing people don't really talk about in the coatings industry, and I might get myself in a little trouble here, is uh, UV breaks down everything. Just we can control the speed of which it breaks down through the coating recommendation. Different technologies will have different time periods uh, that they they will last. And then... If it's in the desert, do you even care what it looks like? You know, if a tree falls in the woods and nobody's there to hear it, do you need a decorative coating on a piece of equipment that's out in the middle of a field that no one will ever see except for the maintenance guy? And, you know, that's a great point, Jack, because I recently had a discussion with an engineer 
where we were talking about weathering steel, that core 10 design of steel. In a lot of cases, they don't paint it. But then when they do paint them, what are the obstacles that are going to go down? So that's an important thing. Although somebody may say, oh, yeah, it's a steel bridge. Well, I'm not a metallurgist. I don't know all the different types of carbon steel, but I do understand the difference between a weathering steel and a standard carbon well, well, steel. Sure. There's a Corton bridge by my house and every it's a pedestrian bridge, but still it, it breaks my brain as somebody whose career is devoted to preventing corrosion, walking across a bridge <laughs> that is naturally corroding. And, and my brain has to tell myself, science says it's okay. It's okay. This rusty bridge is really strong. <laughs> it was designed to do this. But anyway, you know, that is an important aspect as to, you know, you're not going to spend money on an aesthetic coating if nobody's ever going to see it. The next, you know, this is an easy pitfall that we kind of have to remind ourselves as coatings engineers is that what's the owner's expected service life for this asset? You know, sometimes it's a brand new asset and they want the best that they can get. Sometimes they want you know, just to get by, they don't have enough money in the budget to do a full repaint, but they realize that if I don't get something on this asset, by the time I have money to do a full repaint, I won't have an asset anymore. So this is budgets and ex expectations shouldn't be ignored when it comes to a coding recommendation. This is really a more difficult question than most people want to want to recognize it for. It's amazing how many times we'll ask somebody, how long do you expect this coating system to last? And, you know, the first response that you normally get is, what are you, an idiot? I want it for it to last for as long as possible. Well, yes, that's true. And, you know, we use that same analogy when we're talking about hauling something, you know, that I drive a little GMC Canyon pickup truck. I can haul stuff in it. It's not going to haul as much stuff as a Ford 350 or as, you know, a dual axle dump truck. But they'll all haul things. Mm-hmm. So the idea is, how much do you want to invest and how long do you need it to last? Because it truly is amazing that how many times I just need a fresh coat of paint. You know, corporate executives are coming through the building and they want it to look good when they come through. They want it to be clean. We'll worry about the rest of it later. Okay, so basically we're painting it instead of cleaning it. I get it now. Now I know what products to look at. Yep. And if you think back to the episode with Mike Tab, he's our guy who runs the surveys for Carboline. And we talked a lot about a lot of these concepts of that if, you know, he'll come out, he'll, he'll perform a coding survey and grade the assets on your site and basically puts them into a couple categories. And Mike, I'm sorry if you're listening, because I'm going to mess these up. But basically, it's like, you have to do this now, like now, now, or you can wait until then, but you should do something now. <laughs> and you, right. you, you can wait a little bit longer. And basically what, what they say is they'll break it down for you. And you have this much coating loss. There's this much corrosion based on this factor. We think there's this much life left for the asset left untouched, left top coated. And the idea is that you save money in the long run, as long as you get to the coatings before they're to the disastrous, everything has to be redone level. And you know, that falls into expected service life of the coating system because yep. it might be not worth painting. It's too far deteriorated and you just let it fall apart because you put into your budget for replacing it rather than to repaint it. Yep. And then lastly, what I would bring up is the application restrictions. 
you know, in a perfect world, we want everybody to spray our coatings. They, they just lay down better. They're tighter. They, they, there's less holidays. Yeah. In a perfect world, we'd spray everything. However, that's not always ideal. And, you know, not all coatings are created equal and have the same application characteristics. So depending on the application that is going to be used, it would drastically affect which coating you would select. That's right. And in a lot of cases, we have to accommodate a multiple method uh, technique where some areas can be sprayed and some are going to be brush and rolled. Some require both. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that when we understand all of those, we can pick a product that's going to perform the best under all of those multiple application conditions or whatever restrictions are there. Because we need to know sometimes that is the deciding factor as to whether or not we choose one product over another is just purely the technique properties that we have to accommodate. Yeah. And that is an oversimplification of the categories of which we need to have information in order to make a recommendation. That being said, like you said, there's so many variables within each of those categories And I do place budgets into the expected service life because you need to know that if you skimp out on your budget, you're, you're going to have a shorter service life. You know, if you skimp out on, on surface prep or coding system or, or things like that, service life is attached to that. As long as it's desired to have a shorter service life, then cool. You need to remember that, you know, there's a reason why some of the more expensive technologies are exactly that they're going to provide significantly longer life cycles. And, you know, that's a great point, Jack, because when we, even if we talk about, I just want to freshen it up and I don't expect a long service life, there's options within a short life. Yeah. And by, by picking a different product, we may be able to add, oh, maybe months or a couple of years to the service that really may be unexpected benefit by adding just a little bit of marginal increase in cost. We can add a couple of years to your service when it, and especially if it's something that we're, if you were only looking for one year to begin with and we increase the price by 10% and give you two, you just got a 50% increase for a 10% price increase. So that's where all of those questions continue to come in at. Yeah. And so one thing I will tell you, if you're working on a coatings project and see, I can do these things now because I won't be talking about myself and it won't be considered self-serving. Paul and his guys really are the best in the industry. If you need to know something, uh, whether it's a concept, even if you don't have a question about a Carboline product, you have a, a coatings concept question. These guys are there for you and you can get a hold of them more now than ever. You can get a hold of them in email at Paul. What's that email address? Yeah. Our email address is technical service at Carboline.com. And don't forget, we are still the guys on the chat function on our website. So if you go to carboline.com, up in the lower, I guess down in the lower right-hand corner, you're going to see that little chat box pop up. That's my team. Yeah, you're not getting some guy in India. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> you're getting Paul and his guys right there at the touch of the screen. Now, that that isn't a 24-7 thing, so, you know, go there during the daytime. But That's right. And, Paul, what's that phone number if they want to get a hold of us? Yeah, our 800 number is 800-848-4645. And you'll hear the voice prompts, which will let you pick technical service right there at that number. All right, Corona doesn't have us down. We're still bringing you lots of good topics. Go ahead and email us, reach out to us, do whatever you need to do. Stay safe out there, and we'll see you next time. And so, for the Carboline Tech Service Podcast, I'm Paul. And I'm Jack. And we'd like like to to thank thank you for your support. support. Who put the